Hi there, friends. Welcome to A White Guy Confronting Racism, a podcast exploring the myriad ways in which racism infiltrates our everyday lives, why it's so prevalent and harmful, and importantly, what we should be doing to confront it. I'm your host, Jared Carroll. Here on season one, I'm reading excerpts from my upcoming book, A White Guy Confronting Racism, an invitation to reflect and act, due out in the fall of 2021. Today I'm reading two excerpts from section four of the book, Confronting Racism by Reflecting on the Past. Slavery may have happened a long time ago, but it still has a massive influence on the perpetuation of systemic racism and white supremacy today. Similarly, your childhood and high school years and college years and early career and your last job may have all taken place in the past, but they still influence your thinking. It's very likely that throughout your lifetime, you witnessed and or participated in racism more often than you'd like to admit. I know I have. And while you can't change your past, as my friend Michael Margolis says, you can change your relationship to it. You can reflect on what you used to think, what you've learned, and what you think now. What you can't do is pretend that the past has no impact on the present and the future and do nothing. Because as the title of this first piece says, that's how racism continues. That's how racism continues. Paula was my mom's friend. They played soccer together. Sometimes after practice, Paula came with us to grab a bite at Taco Bell or maybe get ice cream or frozen yogurt. She seemed nice enough to my 12-year-old mind, tanned, white lady, maybe 35, deep voice, laughed a lot. Sometimes she included me in the conversation, but usually the adults talked while my brother and I did our own thing. One night, we gave Paula a ride home. We lived in a suburb about 10 miles east of San Diego. Paula lived even deeper in a smaller town. Not quite rural, but almost. On our way back home, my mom said out of nowhere that Paula liked living there because she woke up every morning and didn't have to worry about seeing any black people. She said it casually, without malice or contemplation or any further point to make or discussion to have. No one else said anything in the car that night or ever again. Bon Jovi probably played on the radio. As a kid, I never thought about it again, but clearly I remember. Now, I see that everyone in that car was responsible for perpetuating racism. Paula, the obvious antagonist, my mom, the guilty accomplice, and us kids, ignorantly dragging the legacy into the next generation. Actively working to reverse racism means making an unwavering commitment to seeing the humanity in every single person. And further, it means elevating humanity. The title of this second piece. Elevating Humanity. When I was 25, I ran a marathon. A few years on from being a college athlete, I was out of shape, overweight, and missing my recently lost athletic glory. Living in San Diego, I did my training runs along the Mission Pacific Beach boardwalk. Even in winter, the beaches were crowded and the weather was warm. The boardwalk was three miles long. For my six mile runs, I'd run back and forth. 
For 12 mile runs, I'd do it twice or extend into Mission Bay. For the longer runs, I'd run to downtown San Diego and back, past SeaWorld, Ocean Beach, Seaport Village, the harbor. After every run, I was exhausted, dripping sweat and sore as hell, and progressing toward my goal. I ran for three months, lost 20 pounds, and completed my marathon in mid-February. Never once on my runs did I feel threatened. Never once did I feel unsafe. Never once was I questioned or stopped or attacked. Never once was I shot by vigilante racists claiming they were looking for a burglar. And I didn't die on any of my runs. Ahmad Arbery was 25, like me. He was going for a run, like I did, hundreds of times. The difference? I am white. He is black. I was seen as a human going on a run. He was not. Someone asked me recently why I do my work. I answered, to elevate humanity, my own, and others. Thanks for listening to a few excerpts from section four of the book, Confronting Racism by Reflecting on the Past. As Confucius said in a far distant past, if we want to define the future, we must study the past. And if you want to deepen your anti-racist commitment, you can click the link in the description to subscribe to the podcast, and you can also pre-order the book. And you can spread the word to all your friends and colleagues. And finally, always be asking yourself, what am I doing to confront racism? I'm Jared Carroll, a white guy confronting racism. I appreciate you tuning in. Keep up the good fight. We'll see you in the next episode.